past the creaky metal gates. Through the fog-enveloped graveyard, you find yourself on the rickety old porch of a long-forgotten home. Beyond the threshold sits a man obsessed, a tortured soul, cursed to discover all about the Southern California haunt community and beyond. You have now entered the domain of the Creepcast with Rick Creeper. <laughs> You're listening to the Creepcast. Hey everybody, this is Rick again. We're back at it. This is episode 26. I will be flying solo on this episode. So my co-host and producer, Emmanuel Manjavar, a.k.a. Menji, will not be here. But he's here in spirit, so... Oh my. That's him right there. But uh, I have someone here. I'm looking at, uh, looking at his face right now. I'm here with Jordan Monsell. Artist, painter, silhouette cutter, cosplayer, jack of all trades. Um, how's it going, buddy? How you been? Great. Hey, uh, it's good to be here. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, haven't seen you since uh, the Cemetery Lane rap party over at the Heritage Square Museum. And that's technically Los Angeles, right? Yeah, I think it's um, what part of town is that considered in? Because I, I did it. I did a TikTok on it and I posted it, and and in the comments, people were saying, "No, no, it's it's this part of town," or it's. Uh, I know it's near Dodger Stadium. It's like right off the. Uh, I think the it's 10? the south of Arroyo. Is it South Arroyo? South Arroyo, or south of like Lincoln Heights, like Elysian Park area. Yeah. Exactly. I, it's 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 fuzzy there's a gray area it's, it's like it's, it's like, like the no man no man's uh, land yeah so um right so how you been good yeah and that was a that was a really fun event and uh it was super cool that they had that rap party so we could see everybody again a couple months after halloween because as you know when we were doing that event um and for the listeners uh heritage square museum in los angeles is this group of victorian homes some dating back to the 1800s, mm. late 1800s, that were saved from demolition. And when the city started to expand and they started putting in freeways, they actually moved these historic homes to this one section, this park mm. that you can walk through and and you can go in some of the homes. And so in October, um, they had this trick-or-treating, family-friendly <laughs> uh, socially distanced event right. and uh kids came in costume with their parents and and uh rick you and i were were hired to pass out candy yes, but be- because it's a it's a fairly big place they had all these different the sections set up um you you want to talk about who you were and <laughs> i was the uh the parental figure slash train conductor of the depot uh reginald swift uh, so I was the first person you interacted with and I was kind of like the gatekeeper. I needed to explain the history of Cemetery Lane and kind of like the, the lore. And you're not supposed to get caught after midnight because then you'll become a permanent resident. And I wasn't Are you the gatekeeper. <laughs> apparently I was. Yeah, I was. I was the one that, like who gave everybody a hard time. Um, there was a scavenger hunt, which they didn't have me involved in because they said, hey, you got enough to do being kind of like the. The first interaction, I was like, "Oh, okay, cool. I guess not." And then you played the uh, the grave digger in the correct in the yeah, and they had this uh, cemetery set up. Um, but you know that was funny because like the the cemetery was completely fake. Like that's not part of Heritage Square, but the <laughs> the train depot that's like an actual train depot, right? It, yeah, and there's it like was an going old back to, church. And, 
uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the, the the depot and the church were pretty, they went back to like the turn of the century, I think. Yeah. But yeah, when I, what I was saying is that uh, it was cool to have that rap party because during the event in October, like we didn't really get to hang out and talk because you're you're in your own section and we got <laughs> swamped with just like kids and like buckets of candy, candy that we were going through like all night, every night for um, the month of October, basically. I remember you came up to me in character and, and then you got close enough. You're like, hey, do you have any batteries? My, my lantern. I'm like, oh, what size? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the break character I, that was fun that was a fun gig um for a while i this is how on on where i have i thought those homes were all built there until someone's like no they were they they were brought down from different parts of la like pasadena east los angeles you know wherever i was like right. oh because this is a spooky neighborhood and the way they lit it up at night i, I it blew my mind yeah yeah they, they did a great job on it and i think that's why like other people are catching on and, and having their uh, events there as well, especially in October. But I think even in, in December, they had like some Christmas events and stuff like that. So, no. and, and remind me, you uh, were a scare actor or have been a scare actor at Universal, right? Halloween Harness? Uh, not, not, I've been there, but I never worked. I've worked at uh, Queen Mary's Dark Harbor. Okay. Uh, I've done a few home haunts and then I worked my first haunt was with uh, Sinister Point Productions here based in Orange County. Um, and I worked in 2018, one of their haunted attractions, which they leased a unoccupied mall or department store that had three levels. And then they turned all three levels into like different theme- themes as far as the haunt. And that was that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. And being on the Queen Mary, that was pretty spooky. Like it really was. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've, I've gone through, I, I didn't, I, I didn't wasn't a performer with Dark Harbor, but I've been through it one Halloween. Um, but uh, yeah, years ago, I think it was like 2009 or so. I was a scare actor for the first Los Angeles haunted hayride that they did. Nice. And so it's in Gri- uh, Griffith Park at the old zoo now. Love that. But track. the first year they had it, it was way out in Calabasas at Gillette Ranch, which is this really big. I don't know how many acres, but um we just had a lot of uh, room to run around and and scare the heck out of these people. So that place is huge. I went to their drive through event in 2020. It was the uh, Night of Jack, and that was a really really cool event. I forgot the hayride started there. Then they moved to down to Griffith Park. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So Jordan, for the people listening at home, um, why don't you tell us about yourself? Introduce yourself to the to the listeners who you are. Sure. Um, well, as you said, my name is Jordan, and uh, <laughs> uh, I moved out to California back in 2005. I so I've been here a good while. Uh, I am originally from, grew up mostly in Connecticut, but I was born in New York, and then we moved to Connecticut when I was still pretty young. Uh, went to basically elementary school, high school, and college in Connecticut. After graduating, I I went to school for theater uh, at the University of Connecticut, UConn. And then moved up to Maine for a couple of years where I was I was doing some like part-time art teaching up there, some substitute teaching and um, you know doing some art on the side as well. And, uh, and then basically decided to make the move to, to California. It sounds cliche, but it was <laughs> uh, for a combination of the warm weather and the entertainment industry. So. Right. 
Yeah. I was also dating a girl at the time who really wanted to go to college out here. So, okay. Yeah. It's funny. Cause you and my, and my girlfriend connected at the rap party for cemetery link. She's from Connecticut too. Um, that's right. Yeah. You guys were talking yeah. and we just went in December for, um, a family member that had one of their family, her cousin had her, her wedding. And every, every what town? Like, what's up? What town in Connecticut? God, we were in, she's from Stratford, Connecticut. Okay. And then we were in, um, oh my God, that's bad. I don't know. Milford? No. Um, yeah, well, Milford is a town and then New Milford is, is a town. And there's a turn. Oh, Jesus. Uh, my memory's horrible. All I remember is in Stratford, there's Fairhaven, uh, no, Fright Haven haunt. It's like the biggest haunt in Connecticut. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> that's all I remember. And we wow. Missed, well, no, I, I have never done that. Yeah. I, I don't even, I've never even heard of that. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Apparently they're the biggest haunt attraction in Connecticut, like 20,000 square feet in Stratford. That <clears> might've, that might've come about after I left. We literally missed their Christmas haunt by a week. I'm like, we couldn't come next week, no. uh-huh. but we were there for a wedding. Um, how long have you been uh, vending at the different conventions selling your artwork? So, I kind of bounced around with different jobs when I first moved out here. I was a caricature artist inside Universal Studios for a short time. And then I had an office job with a film production company for about two years, two and a half years until the economy dropped out in 2008. And that's kind of when I made the decision to just kind of go into business for myself and um, try try to make a, a career out of the art. And um, I would say that the conventions came about um, really not until about 2016, actually. So between 2008 and 2016, I was still uh, I was still you know doing like commissions, and I was doing a lot of gigs, uh, wedding gigs, car- caricatures at you know birthday parties and rap parties and bar mitzvahs and company picnics and things like that. Uh-huh. Um, and then it wasn't really until 2016. I think it was actually my first show was WonderCon. It might have been. It might have been a couple of years before that because I started cutting silhouettes in 2012. Okay. Um, so between, yeah, I would say it could have been around 2014 or 15 that I did my first convention, which was WonderCon, and that's really kept me busy doing doing the shows up until. You know the pandemic stopped everything in their in its tracks for a good year and a half, uh, but now they're they're finally starting to creep back. So that's good. You know what's funny is prior to us meeting um, in person, working together, I remember it's like, hey, you should follow me on um on Instagram, and I didn't realize I've been following you because your artwork. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> uh, I've been following you for like since 2014 because your artwork, and it's just funny because. <laughs> That's awesome. We connected and then I'm like, oh, I've been following him. I'm like, oh, I remember his artwork. And it's just so it, it it didn't click until later on. I'm like, wait a minute. I've been following this guy. I like his artwork. And just it's just funny. We finally met and we met because we worked together at gig and I just didn't realize like going back seven, seven whatever, ten years ago, we've I've been yeah. following you. So now how did how did you I'm just curious, how did you come across that? Did someone send you like uh it's like, hey, follow this guy, or did you or were you at a convention and you saw my stuff? It might have been a convention. I wanna say oh God, don't quote me on this. It could have been like a Center Monster Palooza or Yeah, I've done that. It might have been and I might have taken a business card or something and they just I found you on Instagram. I'm like, well, this guy does um 
the silhouettes. That's pretty cool. Like the hatch style artwork. I'm like, okay. And he do like other themes from like Disney mm-hmm. and just comic book heroes and like classic horror. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And then I didn't realize this whole time I've been following you until <laughs> <laughs> we met in person. Like, Oops. Yeah, I'll I'll be doing. Um, uh, I guess you could call it the father of Monster Bat, <laughs> not not the son, but the, no, the, the big, original the big one, the big the big Monster Palooza this this summer. Um, I think it's in July. I think the, the I think it's the first weekend of June. June, but more, but more, July is Midsummer Scream. July is Midsummer Scream, but more importantly, this weekend you're going to be at WonderCon here in Anaheim. Uh, it's April first to the third. Correct. Uh, yeah, and first time in the, a couple of years that I <laughs> that I've been to WonderCon, so I'm looking forward to it. You're going to be in my neck of the woods. I know you you touched on this a little bit earlier, but um, you being an artist, was it a natural talent that developed over time, or was something that that was a skill that got sharpened through school? And you mentioned you went to arts, you went to uh, UConn. Was it something you just had as a kid, and it just developed over time, and then it, it was uh, refined with education? Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of runs in the family. Uh, so there might have been some some genes in there. My my mom is an artist, and uh, she's an excellent. She's a professional artist, and uh, but her grandfather. So my great grandfather was a commercial artist, and um, he worked on things like the original Morton Salt Girl. Oh wow! And like Philene's and. Um, yeah, Gillette, I think Gillette razors and yeah, um, cool. Camel cigarettes and um, a, a lot of those classic. And that that would have been like early, probably early 1900s if it was my great grandfather. Um, so yeah, I was in pretty good hands from from an early age. And and uh, my mom collected uh, like has a file of drawings that I did that I don't remember doing. So, hmm. so That's I funny. was drawing from a pretty from a pretty young age, and I, I think the reason why I decided to not study that in college is because I was already just taking like workshops and you know learning from my mom, but also like going to like summer art camps and things like that. And okay. so by the time college rolled, I I wanted to like learn something new, and my high school didn't have a drama department, and I was really interested in performing. Um, so that's why I decided to, to study theater instead. And, uh, and then of course, after four years of only doing theater, I really missed the visual art side of things. Hmm. So it's kind of like, it, there's always been this, uh, this balance I've, I've, I've always had to like juggle several things in the air, like the, the different things that I'm interested in. And I, and I've had people tell me over the years, like, you need to focus on one thing. Mm-mm. I'm like, really? Do I? I was like that because that sounds boring no, to me. <laughs> no. I, I've I've met, met uh, various artists where they've done different things. Like you, you know, you do the artwork, you do the cosplay. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're a, a, a theatrical performer. You've done the the Dickens fairs. You've done haunts. It's just why 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 are we limited to wearing one hat? You know, I'm I'm a one dimensional campy scare actor, and I do a podcast, but then like. Uh, Oh, what, what, gosh, I, you know, play Dungeons and Dragons and I'm sl- <laughs> slowly do some other stuff, but it's like, why, why limit ourselves? Why can't we have a, uh, a broad brush stroke? No pun intended, but uh, why can't we? Yeah. And then, and then there are, there are days where I wish that like, I, I, I was old, like, I had a focus that I was only interested in one thing and that, I would, I think that I would be more advanced in my career than I am now. I don't know. It's kind of a silly thought. 
That's something that I should just discuss with my therapist, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is therapy for some people, so. <laughs> right. Um, you mentioned you went to UConn, uh, the college, yeah. correct? And there you uh, you took, uh, you're in the theater department, I'm assuming? Yes, yes. Anything you remember, anything you performed that you could speak of or you'd like to speak of? Hmm. This is what's interesting about UConn is that the University of Connecticut was is to this day like one of only a couple like three or four colleges in the united states one of them is in hawaii where you can major in puppetry really yeah that's and the head of the department uh bart rockaburton was friends with um the hensons and Hmm. frank oz and all those people interesting and their department their offices were in the basement of the dorm they they have since moved to better location on campus but when i was going there i lived right above the puppetry department and so i was down there all the time because i was absolutely fascinated with puppetry (laughs) and i got to do a couple of um even though i was not a puppetry student major and i was an acting major i still got cast in a couple of things where i got to learn puppetry Hmm. um so that was that was so much fun. Like I remember going down there as a freshman, and I had my Kermit the Frog puppet. Oh my god! And the head and the head, I was like, yeah. Can you can you tell me how to um how to make this guy? Uh? <laughs> and and what I learned is that in, instead of and you know you're listening to this podcast, so you can't actually see my hand right now. But <laughs> instead of a lot of people, they'll put on a, a a puppet, whether it's a sock puppet or a professional looking um, foam puppet. Mm-hmm. And to make them talk, they instinctively just like move their fingers up and down. Up and down, yeah. But what he but what Bart taught me on that first day is that we don't talk like that. When when we when humans talk, uh-huh. we move our, our bottom jaw. We don't we don't open both yeah. the top and the bottom like that. Like an animatronic, yeah. So he's like, you just have to learn to when you're when you're making Kermit speak. Just the thumb. Try to try, yeah. Try to keep your your four fingers level, mm-hmm. and your thumb is the jaw, and that's what moves. So that's pretty that, cool. And that I just had no blew idea. my mind. I had no idea they had, <laughs> there was, there was a, a, a you can major in that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. The, the only thing um, I ever knew about UConn was their sports. Like you'd see them on TV, but it's like that yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I remember like. Uh, like whenever I'd meet like friends of my parents and they'd find out that I went to UConn, that's immediately what they wanted to know about. Like, Hey, you, you go see the basketball game. I was like, I'm way too busy to go see basketball game. Yeah, I was I mean, and, and they won the men Kermit. won the national championships in basketball when I was there. Um, and it was crazy. Like the, the energy and the excitement on campus. Um, and it wasn't just basketball, like um, our, our, soccer team was great too and um but yeah i i spent the majority of my time you know in rehearsals or in performances or in classes that i just really didn't get to um see see many sporting events that is that that's i'm not gonna lie that's pretty cool man (laughs) that's pretty cool you got to experience that yeah i went to go see the uh like every year my parents would come for homecoming Mm -hmm. um weekend and we would see uh see the football game Okay, they always played uh, the University of Rhode Island. That yeah, makes sense, but not too far from there. Mm-hmm. I, this is how clueless I am to the East Coast. 
I thought New. I'm saying I'm gonna. uh, Okay, I'm a guy that was born and raised in Southern California, so so bear with me. Okay, I didn't realize New England was a collective of the different states. I thought I didn't know it was like a regional description. I thought New England was like an actual state. (laughs) Until when? Uh, until, <laughs> Did you think that? until we went and visited because it you know i'm gonna do the born here like my girlfriend's like yeah. so what do you think of new england i'm like when, when are we going she's like we're in new england now i'm like what do you mean and she's like it, it's rick she's all it's a collection of all the state i'm like oh okay i had no i had no fucking idea dude and i mean come on i was born and raised here it's it's yeah it's kind of like the term the midwest you know it just refers to like a cluster of states so how do you explain the new england patriots how can a region have a football team then that makes me yeah, well, when I was when I was at UConn, there was a very strong rumor that the New England Patriots were going to move to Hartford and okay. become the Hartford Patriots. Okay, um, Hartford is in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and they went so far as to actually make make up uh, uh, apparel like um, really? baseball caps and everything like that. Well, football caps, right? And um, and then they decided to just build a better stadium which ended up being Gillette Stadium where the Patriots play now um in Foxborough I'm so clueless I'm sorry <laughs> yeah yeah but no no that's a good question that's a good question I'm trying to think if there's another team that is like the southern such and such or the midwestern you know instead of just like a city or a state right. like they have a whole region and but you know I I tell people that, you know like New England fans like we have all those states that that cheer on the Red Sox and the Patriots and the uh, the Bruins. So, yeah, it's a trip. We were in um, I forget what city it was in. We went to go visit. Um, we uh, the venue for her cousin's wedding was in this small little town. I swear to God, it looked like a scene from The Patriot with Mel Gibson, and they had all these war memorials from World War World War One down to like um, American Revolution. Yeah. And we're out in the woods, and it was it, it wasn't that cold. I was fine for a dude, you know, grown who grew up here in Southern California. I was good with like a jacket and a long sleeve. Even one day, just like a hoodie and a thermal, I was fine. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, you'd be cold." I was fine. Wearing a thin suit for a wedding, and we we're out there. It, it looked it looked like a Valley Forge. We're out in the woods, and I stepped out of this car in thirty eight degree weather, just wearing a suit with wool socks and i was like i they're all we're gonna do photos i'm like we could do them inside that was the only day i was cold and everyone's like you're not cold i'm like i'm fine like i was just i was i was hot at night they all slept with the heater on i'm like i can't sleep with the heater on but stepping out in that cold weather with a wool suit i was like i'm gonna freeze to death and i just yeah no i i I, i've lived through some incredibly uh frigid uh, winters <laughs> growing up in New England, and that I think that in the time that I've spent in California now, my blood has gotten thinner, and so now I get cold when it gets to be like fifty degrees. Right. But <laughs> I mean, I, I remember like it being like ten below zero, and just you know, you have to get up and scrape the ice and snow off your car window and let your car heat up, and yeah. When we flew back, because uh, we when we flew from here, we flew out of John Wayne Airport up to Frisco and the Frisco we flew into JFK and then drove from JFK into Connecticut. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. But when we flew back, we flew out of uh, Connecticut to uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, this huge airport. And they're like, Oh, we're going to be landing in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota right now. It is currently one degree. I'm like, <laughs> I want to experience this. 
I was wearing just jeans, some comfy boots, and just like, you know, a typical, you know, just like a Pendleton, nothing fancy. I walked outside that airport just to see how cold it was, just for a second. And just, I walked right back in. I, was, I just wanted to experience it. I was like, nope, I'm good. And I walked right yeah, back. Yeah, your your lungs actually hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and your ears start to sting. It's just, uh, it really, really uh, hits you, that kind of cold. I, I was, uh, I visited Atlanta in February for the first time. And when I left the airport, it was about 38 degrees. I, I had no idea it got that cold in the South. I had no idea. And, um, and I wasn't, I wasn't dressed for it. So that was a big shock. I was, I was just really surprised. I, I did okay in the cold besides that day in the, the wedding when I was wearing a really thin suit. Um, <clears throat> what kind of art form did you find inspiration with? Was, was it comic books, film, animation, cartoons? Was it traditional arts? I see you're very heavily influenced. I see a lot of your art. You're like, you do a lot of Disney stuff. You do uh, some anime, not anime, but more like cartoons, like Marvel. I've seen you doing like um, celebrity figures as well. Then you do your silhouette artwork as well. But as well, but what artwork were you influenced by it as a young man developing to like a full-fledged artist after college? Yeah, I guess you could say all the above, all the things that you listed. Um, my brother had a subscription to Mad Magazine. Okay. And I remember when he was done reading them, I would take the Mad Magazines and I would copy redraw like all the caricatures that you saw like in the movie parodies and so when i started doing caricatures publicly at events when i was 14 in connecticut and then you know at universal when i moved out here i'd have people saying oh it reminds me of mort drucker's work well mort drucker was one of the famous caricature artists for mad magazine um and then yeah i uh I was super into comic books and remember um, getting uh, the book, How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way, which is still on my shelf over there. And I recommend that book to any kid who's learning how to draw comic books and superheroes. It's a great, great book. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of movies, movies like, um, you know, all the Tim Burton stuff and um, Black Cauldron. I definitely include that in, in Tim Burton's early work because he worked on that animated film at Disney. Um, it really all like shaped the, the kind of artist that I am now. Um, you're definitely based on your, uh, your Beetlejuice cosplay. I just see, <laughs> I just, which is amazing. I love it. Um, the guy was cracking thank, up. Thank you very much. <laughs> you're definitely, uh, a Tim Burton guy. I love it. Yeah. Speaking of your cosplay, um, you're certainly the Halloween person based on your artwork and your cosplay. When did Halloween and your cosplay come into play? Oh, um, at a pretty young age. But what's what's funny about um, Halloween and just like scary stuff in general is that I was uh, I was a scaredy cat, like as a really little kid, like before we moved to Connecticut, I think it was like maybe five or six when we moved to Connecticut. But I, I remember clearly this store. This is on Long Island in New York in the town of Huntington. They had this big a uh, wall of masks of like rubber masks. And I just thought they were the most frightening thing where I couldn't look at them. And then I remember uh, even in the video store when we moved to Connecticut. So now I'm only like six, seven. I couldn't look at the horror section. I would walk into the video store with my 
hand like uh, like horse blinders <laughs> because the 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 covers of the VHS just scared the heck out of me. And then along comes um, scary stories to tell in the dark, uh, the classic book that was available at uh, the Scholastic Book Fair. I think that's where I first saw it, and I remember. Um, there were images in there that really scared me and gave me nightmares. And my brother, who was two years, two and a half years older than me, he used to scare me. He would he used to like hide around the corner of the hallway <laughs> with with the open page of like the horrible disfigured woman with like like the and they were all black and white illustrations, but they're just incredibly gory. <laughs> and she had no eyes. She just had like empty eye sockets. So I'd round the corner and be face to face with this image. And my brother, my brother thought it was the funniest thing in the world. But what's ironic is that I grew up to love Halloween and, and he, you know, it's kind of like another holiday for him. I mean, he, he enjoys it, but you know, I, I take, I, I'm almost like a religious fanatic when it comes to Halloween now. So I, I, I don't know if like maybe the turnaround was, well, I loved creating the costumes and my mom would help, you know, sew the costumes and go trick or treating and things like that. Um, but I would say that the turnaround was probably the movie Ghostbusters. And um, I didn't get to see it in the theater, but I remember, I remember being too scared to see it because of what older people kids in the school were saying that it was really scary and that the that the, the the librarian scene in the beginning was really scary well i eventually saw it and i didn't think that that was nearly as scary as the terror dogs especially the scene where it's pushing its face through the kitchen door you know when dana is about to become possessed i thought that was that i think that gave me nightmares but i was so i i loved the movie so much that i in third grade, um, started my own Ghostbusters uh, club with a couple of uh, boys in my class. And we made all of our equipment out of cardboard boxes, our traps and our proton packs. And, and I remember like interviewing like people in our town, if they, if they had a haunted house and if we could come bust their goats. <laughs> and I don't know if she was pulling my leg or not, but there was this sweet old lady in our church and she she told me like with a straight face she's like oh yes she's like there's this spirit who um ghost of a lady who i'll hear banging sounds in the middle of the night and i'll go out into the hallway and she will be hitting this side table against the wall in the hallway that's creepy very creepy and i you know, I was gullible and I I wanted to believe that this was true, but there is some validity to it because she lived in what looked like the most the most haunted house in town. Like it was in the center of town. It looked like this old Victorian. It had like this rusty wrought iron fence around the perimeter. Um, it just looked haunted. So when she told me that story, I was like, and she's like, "When are you gonna come over?" And but I was like, eh. "Did you did you go or you check it out?" Oh, I I never stepped foot in that house. I don't blame you. Yeah, because again, like watching the movie is one thing, but like seeing a, a full fledged uh, vaporous apparition, uh, class five you're full no, rotting vapor, you're no, that's no something thanks. else completely. I, I can relate because when I was a kid, we had a 
Spencer's gift shop, like in the malls. Mm-hmm. And I loved it during Halloween because you saw all the uh, the Zagon studio masks and like the other cheesy costumes or whatever. And some were kind of creepy. Or even as a kid in Kmart, God, Kmart went out of business years ago. I was walking through the video section and they're showing the making of Thriller on VHS. Yes, yes. And that to the, I mean, you know, seeing Rick Baker, you know, do the artwork. I mean, artwork, do all the makeup on the cast and him coming out. And I, I was creeped out. But then, later, you know, flash, flash forward X amount of years. And I'm like, oh my God, Halloween and horror movies. And um, in sixth grade, asking my parents if I could do a haunted house on the front lawn. And but I was terrified as a kid. It was just, I was stalked uh, years ago when I was like, God, I mean, I was maybe like eight years old. We had a, and he was probably like a dude like in high school. I told the story before. And it's funny, I'm wearing the shirt. This guy stalked us as as Michael Myers, like for blocks when we were trick-or-treating. He even did like the, the slow turns and he like we're like hiding from him. He after a while we're like, dude, this guy won't leave us alone. It seemed like he chased us all night, but Oh jeez. Yeah, that that would stay with a kid. <laughs> and now yeah, that- and I, I remember seeing Thriller. You mentioned Thriller. I remember seeing that when it was on MTV for the first for the first time. And yeah, the zombies really freaked me out. I remember, um, I forget how old I was, but it was probably around the same time that Thriller was on MTV. Uh, my uncle made uh, my brother and I watch Night of the Living Dead. And he was, uh, he thought it was hilarious to like see the reactions of his nephews. He paid us like $5 each. He's like, I will pay you $5 each to watch this movie. And he's like, how scary can it be? It's black and white. What I didn't know at the time is just how groundbreaking Night of the Living Dead was for the time, which was the 60s, um, and how gruesome it was. And man, let me tell you, I had to, I had to sleep with a, with a light on for like a year <laughs> after that, maybe more. That that movie was definitely, um, yeah, it creeped me out as a kid. There's a lot of movies, even like the Return of the Living Dead, or just like things like um, American World from London, which is one of my favorite um um, werewolf movies it just like you know seeing yeah. that and even like campy fright night from the 80s that creeped me out as a kid yeah well i think it, one reason is because it's all practical effects it just looks real you have a point like the trans the transformation scene in american werewolf in london is there's there's nothing quite like it you know even in modern movies today that in the we just we just know what looks real and what is cgi between that movie and the howling i want to say that's probably my favorite rendition of a lycanthrope or for people for werewolves um just the transformation and seeing that werewolf inside the maze at universal studios come out of the dark it, it, it creeped me the fuck out i think yeah. pop it, it's the pop scare with and it's 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 i think it's puppeteered by two actors i don't know and then they, they hit you with the sound and the, and the light on I was like, holy hell. And it, it's the lycanthrope from my childhood. I'm like, that's the world. Amazing. Like. Yeah. I really wanted to go that year when they announced that maze. So good. And I did. I didn't, I didn't get to see it, but I did watch on YouTube, the walkthrough of it. And it looked amazing. Just like the attention to detail in those mazes. That maze. And when they did the shining, I want to say in God, 20, either 2016 or 2017 it was the um the garden maze and it's the scene where um 
uh, the hedge maze. The hedge maze. There we go. Yeah. Where uh, Jack's chasing his son, and it's supposed to be you know snow and everywhere. So they've been putting you know fake snow, but they had AC pumping in there. It was cold, and that was the coolest part of that maze. And then I think that wasn't the same year they did the Exorcist too. That that uh, not last year, but previous years. It was just it was it was creepy, and it's Danny. <laughs> it's time to take your medicine. <laughs> Such a good maze. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of a dream come true uh, in two, in twenty nineteen. Uh, right before the pandemic, I got to work on um, work for Halloween Horror Nights, building stuff for the mazes. Cool. What you doing there? And we had uh, there was nine mazes we had to build that year, but one of them was Ghostbusters, one of my favorite movies. The aesthetic so I, of that was beautiful. That that's yeah. such a beautiful elaborate maze. Yeah, I yeah. So I mean, they, they had me do little things on on each one of the mazes, and then and then. Primarily, I was working on a lot of what they call the scare zones, which are like in between the mazes, because depending on what kind of what tier ticket you've bought, you might not get to stand in line and, you know, you might stand in line for hours. You might not get to visit all nine mazes is what I'm saying. So at least you have like these scare zones that you can go through, which are like little mini mazes. So I worked a lot on those, but I remember I, I got to paint some of the ghosts uh, in black light paint that were in the the ghostbusters maze and um uh yeah and then i even got to keep one of the slimers that was used in the maze so that's cool that was awesome so you worked as a uh, scenic artist over at a horror nights yeah the i think the title was was prop designer but i didn't really design anything like i yeah i was doing a lot of a lot of painting um some sculpting um, when they found out that I could, that I could paint in like oil and acrylic. And so they, they would have me recreate some paintings that you see on the wall. So like the serial killer, um, uh, portraits that you see in the beginning of the, um, house of a thousand corpses maze. Uh, so I did those. And then in the us, the Jordan Peele's us maze, um, there's a couple of paintings that are in the cabin in their lake house. Uh, that they had me recreate just to hang on the wall. So that's pretty cool, man. I, I know at Knotts uh, for Scary Farm they call them techs, but they're scenic artists. There's like prop the guys working on prop shaping, you know, foam or whatever. Yep. And the scenic artists are like tech one or two, but uh, I had no idea you did that. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun because I I learned. Um, I learned to do a lot of things that I, I had never done before. So like I, I thought coming on that I was just going to be, you know, painting the occasional prop or maybe like gluing something together. But it was kind of a, you know, roll your roll up your sleeves because you're going to get dirty. And, uh, you know, you might be on the ladder one day, you know, screwing bolts into the side of something. <laughs> and then the next day you're kind of like sewing things down inside the maze in September um, because everything everything is tied down or glued down or bolted down inside those mazes so that people don't steal it. It's pretty crazy. That makes sense because uh, there's a lot of foot traffic and there's some beautiful pieces in there. And people want a souvenir. I get it. Trust me, I wanted to take home one of the um, the vampires, the female vampires from um, Frankenstein. The, uh, was it the, oh God, what was the name of the maze last year? It was uh wasn't it the Bride of Franken versus no it was Frankenstein versus a wolf man wasn't it that was 2019 that was yeah yeah last year it was uh 
Bride of Frankenstein Lives, something like that. Yes, that's what it was, I think. I was trying to make a stupid joke. I wanted to take the female vampires home, but I butchered the name of the maze. <laughs> right, that's cool, man. I had no idea you did that at Horror Nights. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, it was definitely, um, the pressure was on because I think it was like the first year that they had to do nine mazes. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like uh, like we kept, we were all nervous of, about running out of time, but we all, we got it together at the end. So it doesn't matter if it's a home haunt, an independent or like a big park haunt, like knots or <clears throat> excuse me, uh universal or, or hayride or dark Harbor. Everyone I talk to, it's always down to the wire. Always. I mean, I have buddies that are, they're, you know, they're doing scenic artwork or they're painting or they're building. They're like, dude, we were like literally cutting, cut and hanging walls like the day of i'm like yep sounds like haunt yep yeah and that's really that's really the fun of it too there you know it's the most stressful time of year regardless what level you do if you're just like a um a show goer or you're a podcaster a youtuber scare actor a builder painter artist vo it's just you know we start it's you put it in fifth gear starting like the late august and september and next you know it's october and you're not sleeping you're tired <laughs> you know you're grumpy but then you know in the season you're like you're sad and you're like it was all worth it and just because we do it because we're passionate and someone like you who's a naturally talented artist and <laughs> you do you know you wear multiple hats so i had no idea you did that for universal i'm that's pretty cool man yeah and <clears throat> you talking about like not sleeping I, I don't know if i'd be able to do to be a scare actor at, at universal because the nights are so long and um like i remember they they announced that they were maybe going to do beetlejuice then they did a beetlejuice maze last year in orlando but uh-huh. they didn't do it in hollywood <clears throat> um and as much fun as that would be like yeah i don't know if i could do that night after night and like you know what time <laughs> would you get off work at like one o'clock in the morning or something like that right um, I know that they both have pretty demanding schedules, <clears throat> Horror Nights and Knots. When I was at Dark Harbor, it was, it was pretty flexible because they'd give you they'd give you the schedule a week in advance. Okay, here, here's Jordan. Here's the schedule. Uh, let us know what days you can't work no later than tomorrow, which would be Monday, mm-hmm. so we could cover, particularly if you're first cast. I was like, not bad. I was there almost every day besides the last week because I did some other stuff as well, but that was demanding. Uh, like Fridays, Fridays and Saturdays, I think the earliest, the earliest I was walking off that ship to get onto the shuttle back to the employee parking lot, one fifteen maybe back. In yeah. The and, and, and did you have to take all your makeup off once you got home or I was did, that one, was that one fifteen with all of it off your face? That's like, they did not like us leaving, um, leaving leaving um backstage without any makeup on like they wanted you to take if you had some on your neck or you had blackout from just wearing a mask but they prefer that you take most of it off i would leave a blood on my neck on my hands my knuckles whatever my ears but i'm like literally still drenched in sweat like breathing heavy and i just want to get the heck out of there i'm on my street clothes we're all piling in this shuttle van you know people get funky and haunt it happens you know yep you know, and, and, and get into my car at one thirty, and then from Long Beach, you know, driving back to Orange County, it's like without traffic, 45 minutes, you know, 
and it's not See, like and that's the thing you you were all working on a floating hotel they should have just given you rooms yeah, that would have been nice um Seriously. I, I might as well because i was falling asleep behind the wheel i woke up I, I i literally fell asleep on one freeway and when i came to i, I was on off ramp at, at a signal at a stop and i don't remember doing that i'm like let me pull over to 7-eleven and wake up yeah yeah that is that is so dangerous because <laughs> yeah, even if they had put you in in the haunted room cabin on board the queen mary you wouldn't have noticed any ghosts because you would have been dead to the world. You're so exhausted at the was, end of, of the was, night. I remember when I was doing um, uh, the Haunted Hayride, I lost something like 15 pounds just running around in that costume because September, as uh, I mean, September into October, that can be like the hottest time for Southern California. And, um, and they would feed us too. Like the start of the night, they would feed us, uh, this food truck would come up and feed us burgers and fries. I would burn through all of yep. those calories in the next five hours, six hours that I would have to eat again at like, you know, 12 o'clock, one o'clock. Right. And I still lost all that weight. So yeah, we all the Halloween diet. We all lose haunt weight. Um, my first year, I lost 18 to 20 pounds and I was eating lean protein bars, bananas, beef jerky. I wasn't touching any junk food. Um, dark carb, I lost a little weight, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're cutting weight like wrestlers. That's what's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you drop it all. So, uh, are you a Renfair guy? Yeah, I've done Renfair a couple times. Um, when I first moved out here, I was hired to work in a portrait booth. So the booth was owned by somebody else, but he was busy doing something else. Like he was a character actor, but he created this booth and he just needed an artist to man the booth. And that was like, um, pastel or charcoal portraits. And then a couple years went by, several years went by. And then I started learning how to cut silhouettes in 2012. And so I did silhouettes at the Ren Fair for, for two back to back, uh, summers, um, not summers. It's actually spring. It starts, starts soon actually. So it's April into May. And, um, yeah, it's fun, but I, you know, I, it's, it's much more fun for me personally as a spectator, just to go and wander around I agree. and, and, you know, eat, eat the turkey leg and watch the joust and find, find a shady spot somewhere <laughs> and enjoy the music Drink because when much. you're, when you're working in the booth there. First of all, you're dealing with like the dust and the and the sun <laughs> and sometimes the rain and uh, and then but you also have to stay there all day, you know, because I it would just be me in the booth. I didn't have a helper, and a lot of the sales would happen in the very start of the day when people are people are walking by, they're they're first coming in, and then you would get them at the very end of the day when they've had a couple of ales, right? yep, and they realize as they're exiting past all the arts and crafts booths that this is their last time to buy a souvenir mm -hmm. um, on their way out. But during the middle of the day, like that was, that was kind of like, eh, it's kind of a little boring because uh, people were all inside the middle, seeing the, seeing the shows, seeing the stage shows and the joust and eating and having a good time. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking I, forward to this year. Definitely. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it too because it's it's been it's been several years since I've um, gotten to go, and obviously the last last two years they didn't have it. So, yeah, 
I'm looking forward to Irwindale. I haven't been since 2019 where we went as a Scandin. No, we went as Siberian Vikings or Rus Vikings. My, my buddy Joel's like this madman with leather and he's like a stuntman. He's like involved in TV and film and he was a he was a, a prop designer and knots and he's had all this stuff you walk in his house and he had like an arsenal <clears throat> of weapons and armor hey put this on nice and then we ended up at uh the coronaberg ren fair in corona where i don't know how this happened but somehow i joined the templars and so now i'm a part of that group <laughs> nice. so i have to get my i have to get my costume uh my outfit excuse me together before uh, we meet up but they're like hey we this is what we do and this and this and that it was so cool because we're walking around and you see, you know, you see pipe. Pi- it's a little loose there, a little looser than Irwin Dale. You see pirates, you see Vikings, you see plague doctors, then you see, you know, the, the traditional garb of, because uh, that, that Renfair is supposed to be based on the Rhine River, which borders Germany and France, I believe. Okay. <laughs> so you see a lot of like, um, you saw German mercenaries, like, no, no, you saw French, no, excuse me. We ran into a group he knew they were, German mercenaries inside a French hostel. Um, no, excuse me, a French brothel. Excuse me. And then I saw the the, the Templars walking around. I'm like, Joe, who are those guys? Are those the Templars? Like, yeah, go talk to them. I was so embarrassed. I went up to him and I was like the the, the high pitched uh, voice kid in The Simpsons. I'm like, how do I join you guys? <laughs> and they they took me to their tavern. You see like the Knights of Gondor, and then you saw like Rangers and, and just like and mermaids and all these people. I'm like, this is so fucking cool. So. We have that coming up, I think, next month, April, April to the end of June or something like that. Nice. So I'm um, looking forward to that. You also have done um, the Great Dickens Fair, um, Christmas Fair up in Frisco, correct? Correct. Yeah. And it was actually the same family. I don't know if you're aware of that, um, that started the Southern California, the, the Renaissance Pleasure Fair, the one that's in Irwindale that we just talked about. Really? The same family started the, the Great Dickens Christmas Fair. Up in the up in San Francisco, which is now in Daly City, which is just south of San Francisco at the okay. Cow Palace. Um, so the family still owns and runs. Uh, it's been passed down to um, their their children. Uh, they still run the Dickens Fair, but if I'm um, not, I think I'm correct in this that they sold the Renaissance Fair to to a company that also does like the New York Renaissance Fair and the one in Wisconsin and a couple of others. So, um, yeah, for, for those who, who've never been to the, uh, the Dickens Fair, um, imagine Victorian London. So Charles Dickens, London. Um, I think it, it, like the setting is Christmas Eve, uh, but indoors and it's really magical. Like it's it's hard not to get swept up into the whole magic and spirit of Christmas because the the lighting is dim, but you have like these gas lamps flickering and storefronts. Like people build these facades that look like London storefronts where you can look through uh, the windows and then they have doors and you go in and 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 all the wares are there. And then on the streets quote-unquote streets which are covered with fake snow are christmas carolers and musicians and people selling uh chestnuts and and characters from dickens novels so scrooge and marley and um and oliver twist and bill sykes and nicholas nickleby and um yeah it's just uh it's really fun um i recommend it to anyone who's who's never been um and uh again they 
It didn't have it the last couple of years, but it will be happening this year. And it starts before Thanksgiving and it goes to before Christmas. I think it's five or six weekends. I'm either take a drive up there. What exactly did you do at the Dickens Fair? Were you were you a player? Were you, were you vending? I could see you being a. I don't know. Oh, I would love to do. I would love to be a performer there, Governor. I really would. I would be like I, one of those pickpockets. I kind of. But no, I, I. I am actually. Yeah. See, that would. That's a thing about. So I do silhouettes at the Dickens Fair, and that's what I was doing at the Renaissance Fair. But you know, one of these years, I would love to just be a performer, or an actor at at either the Renaissance Fair or the Dickens Fair, because when I'm sitting there, and at the Dickens Christmas Fair, I'm sitting inside a shop like a gift shop stationary store and I'm, you know, have a little table set up and, and I get to hear the parades go by, but I never get to, you know, go and see a show um, and, you know, enjoy uh, a leisurely dinner and, and watch a show because I'm there to work um, and, uh, and make money. <laughs> but one of these years I would love to just, you know, go and, uh, and be a part of the, of the cast and one of these wandering uh, character actors. I could see you being like a, uh, a pickpocket or like, a, I don't know, a chimney sweep or <laughs> I don't know, just something, something. I, 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 I was kind of trying to channel like a, a chimney sweep cockney type character for the gravedigger in the event that we did in October. Uh, even though I was uh, dressed a little bit like Beetlejuice and people thought that I was Beetlejuice. I said, like, "Oh no, Governor! But he's my cousin. He is Beetlejuice." Oh, my. well, I was wearing I was wearing my Beetlejuice wig. But uh-huh. I had a I had like a flat cap, like the one I'm wearing now, uh-huh. and then I had like the dark circles under my eyes. And um, <laughs> but you know, my my clothing was um, was more Victorian, right? Um, suspenders and everything like that, and fingerless gloves and. I certainly wasn't dressed like Beetlejuice, and I and I wasn't doing his voice either. But you know, l- little kids don't know the difference, so so they would see me and say, "Look, it's Beetlejuice." <laughs> You're all. I think that's a compliment because I cosplay as him. <laughs> well, uh, he lived through the Black Plague, he did, and then he attended Juilliard, and he's seen The Exorcist about 167 times. Uh, now that you say that, I, I can see Beetlejuice now instead of like the Gravedigger. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, I feel like we're at a stopping point right now. We're at a that time of the show. We're going to take a quick break, pay some All bills, right. make some announcements. Again, this is episode twenty-six with Jordan Monsell, and we'll be right back, guys. The Creepcast, hosted by Rick Creeper Eleven. Don't you dare try to escape. The Creepcast with Rick Creeper shall return. Hey everybody, this is Rick Creeper 11 from the Creepcast podcast. Once again, you're hearing my voice because we're talking about vampfangs.com. Yes, vampfangs.com. Vampfangs has been established since 1993 out of Salem, Massachusetts, New England's only vampire shop. That sounds kind of spooky. 
host of the Endless Night Salem the Vampire Ball. I could speak about this personally because I've purchased things from them. Uh, some of the various haunts or like horror cosplay photo shoots that I've done, I've acquired my fangs, more importantly, my contacts, which are FDA compliant, approved, and verified from your eye doctor, is shipped here in the good old US of A. So they came through for me. I've had bad experience with other companies where contacts weren't the greatest quality or they're shipped overseas so either they're really bad quality or just didn't arrive here on time so van fangs was definitely a lifesaver but they have other things as well i already mentioned special effect contacts they have special effect makeup fangs apparel sunglasses bags fragrances chokers you name it everything is based out of salem massachusetts and they've got a cool little store over there check them out vanfangs.com online or at Fangs official at Instagram. Tell them Rick Creeper sent you. You guys will love it. Trust me. Check them out. Fangs official Instagram. Have a good one, guys. Take care. <laughs> Where do you think you're going? There is no escape from the creep cast with Rick Creeper. <laughs>
is kind of the granddaddy of all fringe festivals uh, in Edinburgh, Scotland. And, um, and then about a year or so after that, I wrote a Shakespearean version of uh, you're, you're picking up on a, on a trend here, right? I like Shakespeare a lot. <laughs> uh, the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> nice. that, that's called Shakespeare's Oz. So, yeah, I've, I've, um, I've been involved in theater since moving out here. Um, but I actually haven't performed. This is, this is kind of embarrassing. I haven't actually performed myself on stage um, since years before COVID even started. Um, unless you count karaoke which was a couple of nights ago that was that was probably the first time <laughs> hey. i've been up on on any kind of stage <laughs> I give in front you credit. of in front of any audience that takes courage to get up there yeah but i i missed it so much i like i i'm one of these people that don't i have no fear doing i used to do stand up a lot and you know open mics and um I, I have no problem singing in front of a crowd of strangers because I know that I'm never going to see them again. And I, I, and I have friends and family that prefer to do karaoke inside one of those private rooms, you know, where it's just you and the TV and the microphone. But I don't see the fun in that. I would rather sing for an audience. So. Um, but that, that's just me personally. But yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to, to get back on stage and, and perform uh, in something, uh, the fringe festival is coming up this summer again in June. Um, but, uh, I don't have any, any shows that I'm planning on directing or performing, but, um, yeah, maybe I'll audition for something if they're, if they're holding auditions. That's pretty cool, man. Right. Yeah. Hey, it takes a lot to produce a show, man. Just, I give you credit. Oh, jeez, Yeah. I, I almost don't wish it on my worst enemy. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredibly stressful. And, and I had like there, I wasn't, I had several producers on the show that I directed to help me, but just like all the things that go into like putting on a show from, you know, the, the insurance and like, where are people going to park and who's going to be in the front of the house taking tickets and how are we going to do the online sales and how are we going to advertise oh, and what's you. our, what's our budget for advertising and what is our budget for renting costumes and, and who's painting the set. And if, if these actors are SAG and, and not SAG, then what do we pay these actors at considering it's in a 99 seat theater? It's uh there's a lot, there's a lot to it. So so when I wrote the Ghostbusters play and people were asking me, oh, are you going to perform it? I was like, hey, if someone else wants to do it, I would much rather just write it and then send it out there. And then if someone wants to do it, I would love to just sit in the audience and watch it. And luckily that happened. And I, and I got to fly to Scotland in 2018 and I got to see it perform. Right on, man. That's pretty cool. You got to see your own performance. You saw it manifest from paper and paint an actual stage performance not not a lot of people could say that yeah yeah it was it was um definitely a memorable experience and and the cast did a wonderful job um because when i was writing it like i had i had very i had a couple of ideas of how it might be staged but i still you know i still didn't really know exactly how you would do the scene with slimer and how you would do the scene with stay puffed and how the proton guns proton 
impacts and their beams would work. And they were just so inventive and so clever with, with lighting and sound and puppetry and just like they made it all work. Well, I give you credit. I, I, I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. I, I could barely manage my own <laughs> podcast. Jeez. <laughs> you, How you doing? Fine. Yeah. Thanks, man. You mentioned earlier that you worked for the uh, Los Angeles Haunted Hayride. Um, yep. Any other attractions that you worked or uh, if not just that, um, can you have some, some stories you share about the Hayride? Yeah, um, and I I haven't actually visited the Hayride since it moved to Griffith Park. I So I know where it is at the old zoo. Uh, for those listening that are not familiar with Los Angeles and Griffith Park. So there's the Los Angeles Zoo in Griffith Park. And Griffith Park is the largest like municipal park in the country as far as acreage. It's really big. So we have a zoo. But years ago, there was an old zoo, which looked just cruel compared to the zoo that is there now. Um, We're talking like cages, small cages. And so it's it's kind of a a, a perfect location for the Hayride now because they put these costumed characters, monsters inside these cages to rattle the rattle the bars and everything like that. but like I said, so the, the first year they did it, it was way out in Calabasas at that ranch. And I remember so early on, the, the organizers said that they wanted me to be a zombie in this car accident scene. But the very next scene that the hayride goes to after my scene was this church graveyard scene with zombies. So you have all these zombies coming out of their graves and approaching the 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 poor people sitting uh, on the back of the hayride. And so I suggested to the organizers, I said, well, if you already have this magnificent scene with all these zombies coming out of this churchyard, then maybe we should do something else for the car accident scene. And they said, well, what do you suggest? And I said, well, what about a werewolf? You don't have any werewolves. Because they had a clown tent and they had like the uh chainsaw you know last house on the left type of hills have eyes house uh, but they didn't have a, a werewolf and uh and then for my audition for the or for the people that put it on i did like uh my version of like a transformation <laughs> even though i didn't have any makeup or costume with me i pretended that i was turning into a werewolf and i guess i was convincing because so that they basically said okay yeah we'll do that so they brought in this old car and had it you know the 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 brights were on and kind of flickering the emergency lights were flickering and we got to you know bash the hell out of this car and you know break the windows and we raised up the hood a little bit, and I suggested that we put a uh, a fog machine, a smoke machine, like underneath the hood. So, you know, at night when the hayride is approaching the car, you could see the the fog, uh, steam rising out of this car. And there was an actor sitting behind the wheel of the car, um, and he was all bloody. And so he was supposed to be the driver of the car that I guess, you know, swerved, went off the road, hit this tree. So I was in my where, and this is why I lost all this weight because I was in this costume and this hairy mask, and I decided to to wear because they gave me a um, 
it wasn't your traditional like flannel shirt torn up flannel shirt they gave me coveralls that look like you know michael myers would wear and it was all bloody and everything okay but you know i wasn't i wasn't really a big guy then i'm still not now so i wore i had a pair of like football pads shoulder pads at home so i wore those and and then we kind of glued some hair that was sticking out and some holes and but they had a, a whole werewolf uh lichen lichen throat mask for me so i was hiding in the woods so that that's basically a, a trick of a lot of haunted houses that you you distract them you pull the the attention away i know where you're going with this <laughs> so that everyone on the hayride is looking at this poor sap who's and they don't, they don't know that if he's alive or dead either because right. he's basically like you know slumped over the wheel of this car and then i come charging out of the woods on the other side and it was always like uh, kind of bonus points if i made the men scream because <laughs> i'm not saying it's easy to make oh women scream but uh, you, if you can get a man to scream at the top of his lungs then you know that you've done your job that's the best and i would leap onto this thing and you know they, they said that we weren't allowed to like you know jump in there but you know i, I don't think anyone was watching it was <laughs> it's a really big ranch <laughs> um unless they had cameras up somewhere um and then i would leap down and i would run over to the guy in the car and i ripped his arm off that's so cool so <laughs> yeah, i think that was my idea too if i'm not mistaken i said why don't why don't we have a a, a fake just mannequin arm you know you just you know up your sleeve and that can be like hanging out the side window and so oh i gosh. would run up and yank his arm out <laughs> as if this poor guy That's hasn't great. been in enough already and i would start you know devouring this fake arm and the hayride would continue on to the onto the zombie scene and i would take chase and oh it was exhausting and then you'd have to reset exactly do it all again and sometimes yep. these these uh tractors would be almost on top of one another mm -hmm. and then other nights if it was a little bit slower sometimes you'd have like you know 20 minutes in between um <laughs> you know the drill oh yeah yeah uh so people that attended the hayride last year <clears throat> That wasn't the original location. They went. They moved across from the park due to construction. Oh, they went to where the baseball field is. <sighs> I believe so. The golf the, course. Huh. So, um, normally, you know, the parking lots right by the carousel were, yep. Famously, that's where Walt Disney sat there and wrote concept for Disneyland. Like, watched his daughter ride the carousel. I believe. I believe so. Yeah. I um, mean, that yeah. was the location forever. I started going to the Hayride in 2013. And I forget what year it was. Griffith Park's got some crazy history. Uh, yes, yes. With murders and people disappearing. One year, they took that concept. They took those act. They made that they 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 made that their concept for their haunt. So when you're entering, not the actual main entrance of the hayride. So when you're on the on the trailers for the hayride. You go through whatever threshold it was. They had a bunch of chain link fences and old TVs stacked on top of each other. And they show news footage of the different murders, the people being caught, and all the all the weird stuff that happened in the hayride. And as you're entering this, it's the real footage. And people are like, that really happened here? I'm like, yeah, that really happened here. 
I I love the Hayride. Even prior prior to them merging with um, was it Thirteenth Floor Productions? I've always I always dug their 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 <clears throat> their themes. They always they did one where it was like uh, <clears throat> where like hell opens up and then like all these demons come out. Another one was uh, something kind of like based loosely on American Horror Story, the uh, the season about the cult, and then. One year, which <clears throat> excuse me, well, I, that was the best. The hayride actually stopped. It actually stopped. You exited the hay, um, the trailer in those two ways. It split. Either they dumped you off like in this precinct full of like clowns, which was creepy, mm-hmm. and, the, and you had to go through a, a circus tent. Which then from there you went to a corn maze, a cornstalk maze. That was the coolest fucking thing, and it creeped me the hell out. Then you get back onto the hayride, and yeah. the, and you continue through. The other entrance, I think it was like a like botched plastic surgery. Like you saw some like weird nurses and doctors and all that. They stopped doing that. I think they only did it. In, I might be mistaken. I think they only did it for two years, but they definitely did it for one. That was my favorite year because they had everything in the in the maze. They had guys with chainsaws. They had creepy little girls and baby dolls. They had like their rendition of the nun. And there's always they always got a pepper and a hillbilly or two in there. Yep, yep. But you walk through the cornstalk maze, and there's like the atmospheric sounds and the atmospheric sounds of like whatever people screaming, real people screaming. I ran like a little girl. Then you get back on the hayride, and you do the full gambit, the circus tent, whatever. And then you still have the three walkthroughs. You had like the, their blackout maze. They had their own version of uh, not is Insidious. Yes, they did. A, they did a ver- uh, rendition of Insidious, which was pretty cool. The guy broke character because I was wearing a. A misfit shirt and he's like i fucking love glenn dad's like why are you staying character man come on <laughs> yeah and um it's like what are they paying you right exactly the guy broke character and then i believe that might have been the second year that they started doing their trick-or-treat theme where you went through the neighborhood trick-or-treating which was the coolest fucking thing well what's really uh kind of cool is that one of the one of the people that started the la like the main person who started the LA haunted hayride um, went to Yukon. So she, she and I both went to the university of Connecticut. That's pretty cool. And when she went on uh, shark tank, I don't know if you saw that episode, they went on shark tank and they actually got, I forget what investor it was, gave them millions of dollars to start an attraction in New York. I think it was like their sleepaway camp, their, yep. their horror camp. When she went on Shark Tank, it's a Melissa blocking on her last name. Sorry, it's been years. But she pointed to the fact that, you know, I grew up in New England and Halloween meant being outside on a, on a hayride. And so many of the haunts are indoors here in Los Angeles, right? So, I mean, you walk at, at Knott's, you're, you're walking around at Universal. You're walking around outside, obviously. Uh-huh. But you're going inside these mazes that are built out of whatever. But there's something, there's just something really cool about, it's it's scarier, I think. You feel more exposed when you're outside there's and you're just sitting at the back of a tractor and there's woods, like not fake woods that are built out of styrofoam, mm-hmm. but real dark woods, real cages where animals were mm-hmm. kept you know a real corn maze there's something about being outside in the elements where this is where i used to tell everyone and then and, and, um even prior to the 13th floor coming on 
there's something about being out in the woods and they could create whatever atmosphere they want with addition to the woods and you're not there with a roller coaster going over your head right and you have the the smells and the sounds of the woods it's very tangible yeah I would tell everyone, and you're not going through a scary zone where you can see a Starbucks, you know, and just, I used to tell everyone, there's something with the hayride. Yeah. The Starbucks will takes you, it takes you out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I would tell them it, it's just, yes, I understand it's not big production like knots in, in universal, but there was something very unique and had its own mystique about the hayride. And I've always been a big fan of theirs. So yeah, it's funny. You mentioned, um, <clears throat> um, Yukon in Connecticut. Cause all my next question, you originally from Connecticut, as we said earlier, yeah. Any spooky stories you can share, particularly the one I seen you post a video <laughs> yeah. uh, on your Instagram. And it was one of your video feeds from TikTok about this spooky house that you guys moved into. And that your mom wanted to play with the Ouija board when you guys were kids. Yeah. And isn't it funny that like everyone says Ouija board when it's spelled Ouija board. Exactly. It's spelled, it's spelled with an A. But even in that video, I, I kept calling it a Ouija board. It's just... It's kind of ingrained in our subculture that we call it a Ouija board, but it's it's Ouija. Ouija. Um, that sounds like so the beginning of a horror movie. I'm sorry. Ouija, <laughs> like the origin of the spirit board. Um, no, that house was actually the house that we lived in in Connecticut. And you know that was really the only creepy thing that ever happened because it wasn't an old house. Like It was built to look like an old house, but only one family had lived in that house before us. And I think the house was built in the 70s and we moved in in around 1985, 1986. But shortly after we moved in, uh, we were gonna play a game and my mom suggested the the Ouija board, the Ouija board. Um, because I feel like a lot of people didn't know any better before all these movies like The Conjuring came out and social media and everything like that where people on Reddit where people can exchange stories about how dangerous uh, <laughs> opening a gateway and inviting in spirits can be no thank you the, the ouija board is was from parker brothers it's sold like in toys r us and kb toys kb toys mall. yeah kb toys right next to the spencer gifts <laughs> <laughs> and um so we all huddled around the board put our hands on the thing and we asked if there was any spirits here and it started to move and my parents were like oh no i'm not moving it are you I'm moving it oh my oh my I'm telling you, if you say that one more time. <laughs> um, and it spelled, and it's, it, went, it went to yes, and then we asked it to spell its name, and it spelled out the name Ralph Gage. And none of us were thinking the name Ralph Gage, because that's the thing about the board. They, they say that if, if you have an intention, if you're thinking something, um, the planchette, is that what it's called? It yeah, will spell out like F-U-C-K. If you're thinking it, even if you're not subconsciously like if you even if you're not moving it physically i feel like it can it can go to the letters that you want it to go but none of us were thinking the name ralph gage like none of us knew anyone with that name so then we asked it to like show a sign of its presence and in the morning uh we said we said good night to ralph and we put the board away but in the morning we found a pair of like these antique candlesticks that had been moved from where they were on this shelf uh, where we were playing the game 
above the table. They'd been moved across the house to another room. They were lying side by side on the floor. There's no way they could have just fallen off and rolled there past all this furniture. So we took the board out and we asked Ralph if he had moved the candlesticks and he said yes. So that was the last time we, yeah, we used that. But but yeah, Connecticut, like all of New England, it's a very spooky place with a lot of history. And um, I... Uh, I went to a few haunted locations. I went on a few ghost um, investigations, paranormal investigations at Yukon. Um, and then I got to see the Warrens, um, Ed and Lorraine Warren, speak twice because they're from Connecticut. Um, and um, and this, this is years, uh, mind you, before the first Conjuring movie and before they became a household name. Of course, if you were, if you were into spiritualism and paranormal and ghost stories, they were already a household name way before the conjuring you know if you were if you were following stories like the enfield uh, uh poltergeist and uh the amityville horror case you would have been familiar with the warrens especially mm. if you grew up in connecticut so every halloween they would come and they they gave a lecture um to the students wow uh, at yukon that's crazy uh and this is what i tell people i have never seen someone of let's just say of that age right i've never seen a couple of of their age captivate an audience that young of college students like six thousand college students you could you could have heard a pin drop when they were playing video from one of their their exorcisms or playing audio of these like demonic voices or when they're showing the pictures that they captured inside the Amityville house. I mean, just send shivers right down your spine. And this is the really crazy thing. The second time I saw them, uh, come speak one Halloween, they suddenly, uh, Ed, I think Lorraine had left the stage rather quickly. And Ed said, can we have the house lights up, please? Can we have the house lights up, please? Kept saying it. They turned on the house lights and the show was over. Now I looked at my watch and I was like, it shouldn't be over yet because they typically speak for over two hours, sometimes three. And this seems really abrupt. This ending seems really abrupt. So everyone gets up and starts moving to the exits, but I start going to the stage and there's one of their assistants is wrapping up audio equipment cords. And I said, hey, what's going on? And he said, uh, Lorraine saw something. I said, what do you mean? He said, she, she saw a presence standing at the back of the house. Because she, Lorraine, could see things. She, she was the Claire, clairvoyant. clairvoyant, clairaudient, right? It was, and Ed was the demonologist. He, I don't think he could sense spirits. That was her thing. Okay. But I guess it scared her enough that they ended the show. Wow. Yeah. That is whew, the fact yeah. that it wasn't just a lecture, but like audio and video and like still shot. Oh man. And I wish I could, I really wanted <clears throat> to talk to, they had, like I said, they were already way in the back and probably in the green room or if not that in their, in their car. So I didn't get to speak to Ed and Lorraine. Cause I, I want to know what did this thing look like? If it's scared, like, it, 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 the fact that she knew that it wasn't just a person standing at the back, like, you know, in the dark, was this 
entity like was it like unusually tall did it have like glowing eyes but but i guess it uh exuded a sense of uh, evil intent i guess i'm wondering it was something that she encountered in the past oh like the nun Ooh, yeah that's creepy who knows because i i I think they said uh, um i've heard them say that when you when they discuss it and when they play uh, these EVPs back and these exorcism audio, uh, tapes and audios back, it can sometimes be like taking out the Ouija board and opening it up. It's like, oh, you're playing my greatest hits. Why don't I? Why don't I show up and? Who knows? That that's a tough one. Oh, it's, it's it's interested. I am in that. I just I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to. Yeah, I've, I've I've had a few here and there. I've had a few in the ship, Queen Mary. Oh, I'm sure you have. Yeah, oh, yeah. you've spent a lot more time on on that <laughs> ship. I'm I'm sure that, that I have. So, um, speaking of back east, how's the Halloween season back east in uh, New England? Oh, it's great. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's so spread out, though. You know, I I grew up in such a small little town with one traffic light. Like we're talking the sticks. Like very very rural. Um, like we had like horses and cows behind our house in meadows behind our house. That's cool. So it wasn't, it wasn't like growing up in, you know, Hartford or New Haven, which are the two largest cities in, in Connecticut. It was very rural. So you really had to, I mean, it was the trick or treating was great, you know, cause we parents would drive us to in, into town where all the, the houses were clustered together. Um, and, uh, I remember actually I was part of a hayride uh, in Kent. This is Kent, Connecticut now. When I was in high school, I was I was uh, one of the scare actors in this hayride, um, and it was like at this campground uh, for these weekenders that would come up from New York, and it was mostly just open in the summer, right there, right there on this lake, and um, you know they would come up and have a good time, but. They decided to throw this, you know, put on this um, haunted hayride in October. And so I was cast as, uh, I think I was a vampire, and I was supposed to come out of this coffin, this standing coffin, <laughs> and bite down on these blood capsules, right? And I, so I did this elaborate death, and I, oh, I had a, a, a stake through the heart. But I remember one night, I came out of the coffin, did my death scene, and collapsed and someone yelled out to me look out and and because my eyes were closed and i opened my eyes and one of the giant wheels of the tractor was about to roll over my hand holy shit! (laughs) and so i heard look out opened my eyes and luckily was uh snatched my hand away um with only moments to spare because I probably would not be an artist because I think it was my right hand. I, I would have, I would have had to have learned how to uh, to draw and paint using my left hand. Yikes! Yeah, that's rough, man. Um, what haunts or Halloween attractions this year are you looking forward to as far as a uh, twenty twenty two? And do you see yourself possibly returning to Cemetery Lane if they were to? do that production and cast again yeah absolutely that was a lot of fun um 
it was the first time I have had the opportunity to pass out candy. Because like I said, where, where I grew up in Connecticut, um, it was very rural and we our house was like at the top of a hill. We didn't get any trick-or-treaters. And I was also young enough to not be home, but going out to trick-or-treat. But then in Maine, I lived on this dead-end street. We didn't get any trick-or-treaters there. And even here in Los Angeles, uh, I'm in uh, the San Fernando Valley, but we don't seem to get any trick-or-treaters here either. So that was really fun. Um, just to be able to like see the kids in all their costumes and pass out candy. And, and sometimes you get these kids, I don't know if you got these kids that would come back for like the fourth or fifth time. And you're like, I remember you. Oh yeah. But like our, we, we had so much candy, so you might as well just make them happy. You looking, um, looking forward to like, uh, let's say uh, horror nights or maybe like the hayride or knots this year. Yeah, I haven't I haven't done Not Scary Farm in years, so I might do Not Scary Farm because they they put on a good show mm-hmm. and they're less expensive than Universal. Definitely, uh, the fast yeah. passes, the fast their Express Pass or Fast Lane, whatever it's called, it's definitely cheaper than Universal. Yeah, and I ha- I haven't heard what they have announced for Halloween Horror Nights. I, I mean, if they if they announce tomorrow that they're going to do Beetlejuice, then I'm going to have to go. <laughs> I did um, see some wooden facade being built in one of their you know they it's not one of the mazes it's on the sound stage it's like in the back lot under their tent but it's actually a wooden facade being built and it looked like an entryway to a house so i don't know what theme it is this year but uh i just saw that today well yeah i think they're probably going to do nine mazes again uh maybe even more and i wouldn't be surprised if one of them is stranger things season three because they started with season one, and then I uh, worked on season two maze in 2019. Okay. 2020, they didn't have it. 2021, they did they have it? I believe they did. It was on one they, of the sound stages. They did, but they had a lot of um, mazes that they had done before, right? Like, so they had a Halloween maze. They had an, the Exorcist. Exorcist maze that they brought back. Um, and I get it, because they have all these things in storage, right? Mm. Um, like when we like in 2019 when we did House of a Thousand Corpses, that was the second time that we had done yeah, that maze. That was a really good maze, actually. Um, but they had started to build stuff for a Beetlejuice maze, but then for some reason decided not to do it, even though Universal Orlando did it. So I don't know if it's like a budget thing with the rights to the character. Um, maybe it's just it's too much. But um, I certainly hope they do it this year because I would I would love to see it. What would you consider your favorite haunt here in Southern California? Ooh. Um, oh, yeah. I, I know. Because I go to it every year. I went last year in a tuxedo because I went to a wedding in the area. And I'm like, that's it. I have to go. <laughs> because I love this haunt so much. And I didn't even have a change of clothes. So, so I was probably the the most uh, most well-dressed person there. And that is um, Reign of Terror, Haunted House. Yes, and Thousand Out Oaks. In Thousand Oaks. It Amazing. is just so good. Beautiful. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, my God. Over 100... What was they... they I, the claim is it's over 100 different scenes. I believe. Yeah, rooms. Like, rooms that you go through. It's, it's ridiculous. 
Yeah, they, they do a really good job. And um, and I know that I, I actually just got an email from them a couple of days ago. I think they're doing like a halfway to Halloween thing or it's happening next month, next month. And then they also do like for the for the kids that are too scared of the dark, they have a light on walk through sometimes. Um, but yeah, I really recommend it to anyone who's listening who lives in the in the Southern California area. It's in it's in Thousand Oaks. And like the place that you were talking about, it's also in a shopping mall. Mm hmm. Um, in like, I don't know what it used to be, but like in a, an abandoned part, or maybe it used to be a gym or something, but yeah, it's really cool. And then years ago, there was a really fun one in the San Fernando Valley that was in an old movie theater. And I think it only lasted one year and it might've been a fundraiser. And again, this is like 15 years ago now, but I remember like you could, you knew that you were in a movie theater. Cause you know, when you the it, the the floor is is raked yeah right? the aisleways yeah yeah so you knew you're like oh crap i'm like heading up the aisle of this old movie theater here yeah that was a kind of cool experience but my earliest memory of a haunted house um was one that uh, even though i was only like five or six years old and this was in new york and i was a scary cat when it came to like masks and vhs covers uh there was nothing really scary about this maze unless you were claustrophobic because what it was, it was at a church. I think it was another fundraiser. They had taken all these box, big refrigerator boxes and taped them together. And the kids would take off their shoes and climb and crawl through this dark tunnel. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. And I and I could see how people would freak out if they didn't like confined spaces. Um and at the very but I remember at the very end of it, it became a slide and you slid down on your on your tummy or on your butt into this big ball pit, like a Chuck E. Cheese. And I thought that was really cool. Um and uh, just like super low budget, but like effective, like all you need are all you need is cardboard, basically, basically cardboard and tape. Um, and years later, there was a haunt out. I don't know if you remember it. It was in Old Town, Pasadena. I think they stopped doing it, but I went two years in a row because it was so cool. And it was underground in Pasadena, in Old Town, Pasadena. There used to be these tunnels like under the bank. I remember. Do you remember that? I remember. And at I one point, you you actually have to get down on your hands and knees and crawl <clears throat> because it's so tight, claustrophobic down there. Um, what was the they, name of that? I can't remember. Jeez. What was the name of it? Is that what you said? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I don't. Oh God, it's right. I think it was just called like the Old Town Haunt or something. Was it? Hmm. Oh, maybe it was called something else, but I remember that was pretty sick. So going back to your home uh the state yeah. of connecticut and i think i mentioned this off mike is uh fright haven uh, and i'm gonna mention this to the listeners home it's one of the biggest it's the biggest indoor haunt attraction in stratford connecticut Twenty thousand square feet um in february they did a love bites uh theme it was like vampire themed okay. i believe they did a saint patty's theme in march and now they have the, like this twisted easter one coming up in april um we were back there for a wedding in December and we literally missed their Christmas haunt by like a week. But uh, that sucks. Uh, if I got it correct, the girlfriend said it's two stories. Like it's like in a warehouse, just like Reign of Terror. They have their, 
they have their haunt walls. They have their, uh, the facades up year round. It's just a matter of just retheming or adjusting, adjusting accordingly. Because I think the biggest haunt in New England that was outside was in Massachusetts. And it was called like Spooky World or something like that. Does that, does that ring a bell? I think so. They're, 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 it might be, oh God. I think they're in the Guinness World Records, the Book of uh, World Records. I think I might be, I might be mistaken. I, I mentioned something about a haunt that big in a previous episode. So, yeah, because one, one Halloween uh, in college, uh, we drove up to Six Flags, New England, which is in, um, it's near Springfield, Massachusetts. And they had a lot of cool, um, uh, haunted attractions that you could walk through and then another year i dragged two friends to salem massachusetts and that was a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> you think it would be fun but it was just so crowded and just like really i don't know kind of cheesy it looks it looks like now they've they've made their um they've put maybe more production value in a lot of the things they have like a, a haunted bazaar craft fair thing like back in the woods that looks really cool that they used for some of the filming of um hocus pocus okay but i just remember when i was there like it was just i don't know it, it almost felt like in bad taste because innocent people had died here that know? makes sense yeah i get it. convicted of witchcraft and basically sentenced to death and they turned it into like a halloween mecca but i don't know yeah i get it. it gets a little touristy um yeah very touristy besides WonderCon, um what else uh what else do you have planned so i've been i started doing uh last year i started doing a series of these shows called the oddities and curiosities expo mm-hmm. i don't know if you've heard of that yes sir um they have traveled to cities all across america the first one i did was in san diego um at the start of 2020 and little did i know that it would be the only show that i did all year <laughs> um this year i've done the one in san diego again which was in january and then i did one in atlanta and charlotte north carolina and that was in february mm-hmm. um and then i'm doing one in portland oregon uh, later on this year in october i've got one in um, I think the next one I'm doing is in um, uh, Minneapolis, and that's in May, uh, Salt Lake City. But they're all over the place. Like they just did one in New Orleans. I think they have one in um, Austin, Texas, and Buffalo, New York. Uh, you can just go onto their website and check them out. What I like about these shows is that they're only one day because doing uh, a convention like New York Comic Con or San Diego Comic Con or even WonderCon that go on for three or four days can be really exhausting especially if it's just me <laughs> I mean, and it usually is and i can't tag team with somebody uh to take breaks um but yeah because st- i'm basically standing all day um talking to people and um you know making sales so multiply that by four days and they can be really tiring so th- so these oddity shows are only one day and um, yeah, they've been a lot of fun. Imagine, imagine a lot of taxidermy meets dark, spooky art. They just had the LA one this path, this previous weekend at the Globe Theater. So that's a different show altogether. Oh, okay. But it's um, it's that's an oddity show, but that's okay. called like um, 
it's not the oddities and curiosities Got expo. It. So I'm yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's easy to confuse the two. I've never done that one that's here in, here in Los Angeles, okay. but, um, but yeah, um, this, this other outfit, uh, travels all over the country. Um, and I guess, you know, it's, it's nice to know that I could do one or two a month if I wanted to, it all depends on just like how much traveling I'm willing to do. <laughs> so, um, but it is fun because I, I like to sign up for shows in cities that I've never been to before. Like I've never been to Minneapolis. I've never been to Minnesota. I've never been to that part of the country to, country to, before. So my plan is to, you know, fly out there and then spend an extra day. And I'll often do like a ghost tour um, in a city that I've never been to before. I've done ghost tours and, you know, um, cities all across the country and in Europe. Because um, it really gives you a sense of, you know, not just a good spooky story, but a sense of the history of the city. Because in these ghost stories, you learn about the history of the people that settled in these in these places. And even before then, you know, what uh, First Nations people lived there. Um, that's what I did when I went to South by Southwest a couple years ago. I, I was cutting silhouettes all day. And then at night, after getting some good local food, I did the Austin Ghost Tour. It's a lot of fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? You got anything to plug as well? Sure. Um, so they can find me on Instagram at jmonsell, and that's uh, the letter J uh, for Jordan Monsell, M-O-N-S-E-L-L. Uh, that's mostly just art stuff. Um, for videos like videos of haunted places and I do videos of like drawing tutorials and then a lot of the Beetlejuice cosplay videos. Uh, that's all on TikTok. And my uh, username on TikTok is pumpkin King 79, <laughs> 79 for uh, the year I was born. I like that. Uh, <laughs> and now people know how old I am. <laughs> I got, I got a uh, three years on you, buddy. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, you, you're you're like a fine bottle of wine you're aging no, well, you don't so. look it you don't look it. there you go um so that that's tiktok uh yeah i'm also on facebook um i have a separate silhouette page if you're interested in hiring me for silhouettes uh for a wedding or a birthday uh i also do silhouettes from from photos as well so it doesn't it can be of, of, of you or your children or your pets um that's silhouettes by jordan uh, on Facebook. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. I, I'm not really on Twitter. I do have a Twitter account, but I don't really tweet. For every episode that I, I do, <clears throat> excuse me, I always put a description. Um, I always put in the description where they can find you, your Instagram, your your business, your website. So wherever they can find you, it's going to be listed in the description of this episode. So Perfect. Yeah. And if you're coming to WonderCon, I'll be in the... Um, it can be a, a big place when you walk in, but I'm in the artist alley section. Um, my table is C33. Um, I think I'm uh, have they have me set up on the end of a row, so I should be easy to find. Which is happening this weekend in Anaheim, California, the first through the third. You can find Jordan there selling his artwork. You can check out his uh, handsome smile. Oh, uh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think we're at this point where um, everyone who's listened in the past where I normally wrap up the show with a um, 
a fantasy question for every guest. Okay. And again, it's it can be answered any way you like. It's it's your it's your fantasy. It's uh, pretty much your discretion. I just paint a portrait, and you decide to how broad that stroke wants to be. Sure. So I put a little thought into this one. It, it kind of it's just random because they just pop into my head, and I'm like, hmm. And it always pertains to who the person is or what they do. So, in your case, <clears throat> and it is what it is, a time portal opens up in your pers- uh, your sp- uh, perspective home. And you're given an opportunity to go back and work with one of the following: early years, the early years of film and an- animation with Disney Studios, Looney Tunes, Hanna Barbera. Or any '80s cartoon. I don't remember who used to do the GI Joe or He-Man uh, cartoons, but uh, you could do one of those, or you could work on any theme park design. Disney, Knott's, Universal, Magic Mountain, creating the storyboards for early project development. So, are you sitting there writing storyboards as a concept for Pirates and pitching it to Walt and then the Imagineers? Or are you working on animation like on Hanna-Barbera Hanna for, uh, God, I remember some of the characters in there. Or are you are you writing up, the, are you doing the cells for like, you know, Steamboat Willie for the early Disney studio era? Like, what, what are we doing? Ooh, that, that, yeah, that's a really tough decision because I've, I've often thought that it would be really fun to work in animation. Uh, um, one of my neighbors who lived up the street from, from us in Connecticut was uh, Seth McFarlane, who I don't have to tell you who he is. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> Went on to do Family Guy. And, you know, he was um, also really interested in performing, but also art. So he used to do cartoons in the local newspaper. Um, so he went on to art school, but I went on to, to study theater. Um, but yeah, I would love to, because I always thought that animation is like the best of both worlds for someone who was interested in performing, but also interested in like drawing characters and things like that. Um, so working in like in the early days of uh, Disney movies would be fun. But at the same time, like you have to deal with crazy deadlines. You're drawing to the point where your 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 hand is probably cramping. You're You're probably stuck to a desk, <laughs> your chair. Um, and you know, it's a collaborative effort and it's not just you working on it clearly, but I would have to say, I would have to probably opt for working on like something like the haunted mansion, the designs of the haunted mansion and the story of the haunted mansion, like the, you know, the, you know, where each each ghost is and like the story of Madame Leota and the the bride and um, the hat box ghost. And yeah, I'm because I'm super into like concept art, like um, just ordered the um, the Batman, the art of the Batman book, uh, which is uh, you can pre-order it now. It's coming out next month because when I see a movie that I, that I enjoy, I'm like, Oh, I really want to see like the storyboards for that and the concept art for that. And I want to see what like the different um, renderings of of the bat suit was before the one that they, what they, that they chose. Um, And I have a couple of these books. Like I have the art of the nightmare before Christmas and I have the art of um, return of the Jedi and Paranorman and 
bunch of other films. So, and I've seen the pictures of like from the Haunted Mansion and the Pirates of the Caribbean. And it was just so cool to to see the progression of that and, and how it was built and like the models and everything like that that were presented um, to Walt. Um, funny enough, a couple of years ago, I had a roommate who was an Imagineer. And he couldn't tell me anything. And it was super, super frustrating because I'd ask him questions. And it's like, it's like he was in the freaking CIA or something like that. He couldn't tell me anything and let alone go and have a tour. Oh, wow. You know, of their super secret uh, Imagineering base, which is in Burbank in a um, undisclosed, unmarked building. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's near the airport. There's a Um, restaurant if I have this correct, in downtown Fullerton called the Cellar Restaurant. And it's actually like in a wine cellar, well, meant to be a wine cellar. And downtown Fullerton is pretty old. Um, The plaza that used to be the California Hotel where old Hollywood used to come out to the country, to Fullerton, uh, to (laughs) escape the hustle and bustle of the city. Uh Uh-huh. Eventually, it got perforated into individual businesses. And this restaurant, apparently the interior were des- was designed by the Imagineers behind the Haunted Mansion and what other ride? I forget. The Pirates. Ooh, wow. So, um, if you're ever in Fullerton and they have really good food food, and they have make, I, I love old fashions. Uh, they make good cocktails. I do like a, a good old fashioned. Are you talking about the Fullerton Opera House? Uh, it's 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 uh, the city of Fullerton here in Orange County. But it's yeah. the restaurant's called the Cellar Restaurant. Oh, okay. Yeah, you you did you did mention it was a restaurant because when I was directing uh, Pulp Shakespeare, I drove down and rented some set pieces from the Fullerton Opera House. And apparently, this place is haunted. Um, Ooh. the Orange County Paranormal. No, the yeah, I think it's the Orange County Paranormal Society and a haunted OC. They do haunted tours throughout Orange County. Now they do them in LA and San Diego. One of the stops they make in the downtown Ghost Walk in Fullerton is the, it's called the Plaza del Sol, and, and that plaza is where the restaurant's at. But they won't go in, they don't, they tour does not go into the restaurant, but they acknowledge the cellar restaurant being haunted. But um, cool place, just go check it out. But apparently the Imagineers behind the Haunted Mansion and Pirates designed that restaurant. Well, that is super cool. Yeah, one of my favorite places, restaurants up here in LA County is the Tam O'Shanter. And the Tam O'Shanter is this Scottish-themed place. And it was, fun fact, Walt Disney's favorite place to eat. I've been wanting to go there. Yes. Yes, I know what it is. Yes. Yeah. And it's also the oldest continually running uh, or owned uh, restaurant in Los Angeles. Opened in something like 1922. Yeah. So Walt and the, the, was it the Nine Old Men? Mm -hmm. Like his original animation team, they had a favorite table. And when you go there today, uh, the food is delicious, but there's there's Disney art on the walls of the lobby like mm-hmm. where, when you first walk in. And then there's like this old rustic Scottish looking tavern. And then in the back room, it kind of it almost looks like something out of um, uh, the, um, the, the Toad Hall, you know, from wow. Mr. Toad's That's Wild cool. Ride. So there's like a, a big fireplace, big tables and these flags. They're like Scottish flags on the walls and everything like that. It's a super unique place. And just looking at the outside facade of the restaurant, it, it looks like something that um, 
would inspire Disney uh, Walt to create, you know, the buildings that you see in Fantasyland, hmm. you know, like um, like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And then when I'm down in Anaheim, I'm looking forward to, I don't know if you're into tiki bars, but I, I made a reservation for um, for Friday at Trader Sam's. It's called now. Well, Trader Sam's I love, and okay. I've been to that many times. The problem with Trader Sam's is that you have the, you know the Disney tourist crowd. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost impossible to sit inside and see all the cool shit that's inside. Uh-huh. So you're almost always outside. At least that's been my experience. This is a this is a tiki bar that I've never been to before, but a lot of people talk about it. And it's called Strong Water. Yep, I we've been wanting to go Strong Water. Yeah, cool place. And I've never been. And you have to make a reservation ahead of time. So I did that. If you're in the area, check out the sneaky, no, the twisted tiki. It's literally a two-minute walk from my apartment here in downtown uh, downtown Santa Ana. It's oh, okay, cool. It seats maybe fifteen people. It's one of these oh, t- it. tiki bars. It's a two-drink max on certain drinks. Like that's it. You're only allowed two. Because they're that strong. Yes, sir. <laughs> nice. Cool little place. It's it's the, probably the size of my apartment like 15 and it's very intimate they only allow they don't jam the place it's they want you to have your own experience so they only allow like 15 people at a time that almost sounds like a speakeasy i'll um i'll send it to you uh twisted tiki in another place in anaheim um the blind rabbit but there's a dress code for that place okay that's that's more of like a reservation kind of like a um speakeasy vibe like they have mixologists and you know uh, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm used to the dress code of the Magic Castle, which I love. There you go. Into that. You'll dig yeah. it. You'll dig the blind rabbit, but uh, y'all send that stuff yeah. And Santa Ana, you you uh, do they have a um, like a haunted walk as well? I think they do, right? You know what's funny? I was sitting on my porch one, one evening drinking whiskey out of a coffee mug, and I see these people walking by with their cell phone lights and like lanterns, like a little, um, what are lanterns? What am I, old London? Flashlights torches and i'm like what's going on here it's the haunted it's the the, the haunted tour that goes through downtown Santa Ana because it comes into the historical district it starts at the waffle house which is about a half a block down then you come into the french park district where i live but um yeah it comes right through my neighborhood well you should jump out of the bushes and give them a scare <laughs> <laughs> let me let me dig up my 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 costume tote in the basement there i'll have my my girlfriend does makeup she could do my <laughs> Or just, just flick. You don't even have to do that. Just like have everyone in the place flick the lights, the lights on and off, on the lights and off in my as building. they're walking by. Yeah. I could play like the Midnight Syndicate, like they're, you know, the, the, some horror music as they walk by and just, um, I'm the place. Welcome is, to your doom. <laughs> <it's> something. <laughs> yeah, they come through my neighborhood, which is, which is a trip. It's cool. Well, sir, um, it's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Had a great time. Uh, I I knew you were an interesting dude. I didn't realize how interesting you were. Um, I know I did some of the stuff you did. I mean, I thought I did my homework on you, but um, thank you for sharing. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again. Hopefully, working together again. Maybe we'll go have a, a I don't know a mai tai or something at a at a tiki bar or something. I don't know. Absolutely, sounds fun. And uh, yeah, if I don't see you at uh, WonderCon, I'll probably see you at uh, either Monster Palooza or Midsummer Scream. I will be in costume, so I'll probably surprise you. So, <laughs> yeah, you probably will. <laughs> oh, jeez, gonna have eyes in the back of my head. To oh, see yeah. you coming. you're gonna have a six foot four werewolf come up to you. You know. You <laughs> Alrighty, sir. Well, uh, thank you, Jordan, for coming on. Um, 
My pleasure. It's been a pleasure. I want to thank the listeners at home. I want to mention VanFangs.com for being an amazing sponsor. Uh, VanFangs.com or on Instagram, VanFangsOfficial. That's a wrap. Episode 26 with Jordan Monsell. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you. You're listening to The Creepcast. You've once again barely escaped the clutches of the Creepcast with Rick Creeper. Next time, you may not be so lucky. To find out more about the Creepcast and Rick Creeper, follow Rick on Instagram at rickcreeper11. Until next time, be sure to keep that lantern light burning. You never know what could be lurking out there in the dark.